Hello and welcome to Box Cutters, episode 175. It's Albino Eyes looking at a camera. My name is Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. <laughs> to uh, to the oh, now now it's all confused. To the off prompt side from my side, John Richards. Hello, listener. And special guest of the Box Cutters guest co-host for this week, Janet A. McLeod. I'm very excited to be cast on your pod. You're here kind of by request, in fact, Janet, because last week when we interviewed Broad Quantock, he mentioned you out, oh. of, out of nowhere. Oh, apropos of nothing. Apropos of nothing. Oh, I'd like to be apropos of nothing. That's great. Thank so, you very much, Rod Quantock. I'd like to gratuitously mention Rod Quantock now. No, no but then we have to get him back. You should now gratuitously yeah. mention some other. Toby Sullivan. No, we've done him. Uh, the lady who <laughs> designed Cyberman. <laughs> She's coming up. Excellent. All right. I'm passing the baton in a Commonwealth Games... Uh, hands across the nation, sort of way. Finally, we found a good uh, a good way to use box cutters' uh, special skills in mentioning on the shows, rather than killing people. <laughs> Although, admittedly, it still is only Josh who's killed people. True, true. But uh, you know, I, I feel I do feel a little bit guilty that uh, Josh will out of with him. Mention random people. John Updike, I still think, being the most obvious, and then they die. Oh, but dear. Um, he killed uh, Catwoman. Oh no, and he's coming up later on. I hope he doesn't mention me. <laughs> I'll never make it. I'll no, never no. make the drive home. As long as you're on the show, you're, you're inoculated. Mm. And, and Doug McLeod is coming in later on. He's Doug McLeod will be in to talk about his amazing work doing everything in Australian comedy ever. And as I like to point out, no relation. No. Uh, we're both McLeod's different spelling. No relation to different you. Spelling. He's actually relations to lots of other people. Oh. Mm. He's got family. Oh, fantastic. What else is on the show, Janet? Uh, well, it's going to be set with a bit of news. Uh, there is, of course, the segment about uh, what what ads you hate, the title of which I cannot remember. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. That's it. I've got one that I really hate. There's we'll letters. Talk about that there's later. a postcard from a TV show, and the thing that Janet can't know about because it's a secret, mm. we'll be having a review of Dead Set, which is uh, zombies in the Big Brother house. That <gasps> is that is what it is. It's a uh, it's a it's a double way transporter dealy. So you'll be transported out of the studio into Josh's. Uh, uh, rather, it's rather like, lushly like appointed uh, hotel you'll, room. You'll be in a uh, hotel room in San Francisco. Josh will be here oh. reviewing Dead Set, and then we reverse you again. I can't wait for that. We'll, I haven't uh, been to San Fran. <laughs> we'll have some uh, letters. Yep. He, he puts a question mark there. Yeah. Looking yeah, yeah. at uh, yeah, yeah. John. But as always, let's kick things off with the Box Cutters News. <laughs> Kicking off the news, I believe you have something for oh, us, Oh, yes, Ms. me first, McLeod. me first. Ah, now, of course, cost-cutting, not just box-cutting. It is the economic climate for this sort of thing. Now, the Sunday Telegraph has reported that Channel 7 is looking whether it's going to strip back series to shorter runs to save costs. So, for example, All Saints may be cut from around 40 episodes a season to around 20. That is in half. And City Homicide also possibly up for a trim as well. They've been doing 40 eps a year. That's, 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 that's the thing I had. I was shocked they did 40 <laughs> episodes. Thinking, do you need them? That I'm... seems to be the, the, the trend in Australia, and it's particularly with comedies, is that they just thrash them uh, to pieces, whereas in the UK they tend to do shorter runs. But even the US uh, only but... do 22 episodes for a, for a series mm. like a, an All Saints, and you try and put a sort of story arc over it, 40 just seems... 
ludicrously. That's a, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a, the, a possibly the, the hallmark of the quality of these uh, the writers and etc. of these shows is quite well done. Clap, 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 clap. It's unfortunate that our uh, resident uh, All Saints lover isn't here because I would ask if, uh, just from the ads, it seems that they've lost the hospital and they're, they're all in their jumpsuits running around the bush these days in their, in their <laughs> helicopters and stuff. Uh, and I had been wondering if it had jumped the shark. Because uh, they're out and about. Well, now speaking of Channel Seven and moving away from uh, City Homicide and All Saints onto comedy, because of course there are reports that the Net Seven Network has also started work on an Aussie version of the British series Benny Dorm. Now Benny Dorm revolves around uh, the world of package holidays and is set in the Spanish resort of Benny Dorm. Now the UK series stars Johnny Vegas, who's a magnificent character, this slightly degenerate uh, comedian character. He, he made me dance on stage once. By myself Did he? With no music. <laughs> yes. He's. I just love Johnny Vegas, and I can't think who they would cast. I, I, I love him more now knowing <laughs> that he made you do that. I can't think who they would cast in that role because you know they all. There seems to be a tendency to let's cast somebody who looks something similar. What are they? I don't know what they're going to do. Put Dave O'Neill in a wig. Who knows? It's. Um, but anyhow, but that uh, it screens the it screens on uh, Foxtel here in, uh, in the UK Dorn, TV. Right. So so look at looking at palms soaking up the sun. So an Aussie version would be what Australians at a ski resort uh, that's the the, 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 the talk mm. apparently is gold, gold Coast I read somewhere All right, uh, TV Coast. Tonight I think actually had that bit about, about Benny Dorman the remake of it so, oh, okay. yeah. but we don't have those kind of kind of entertainment holiday camp type things no. here no I mean I think it's like a dreadful idea but <laughs> who am I to judge who would have thought that commercial television would make dreadful judgement calls anyhow uh, nothing against you, Channel 7. I still would like work if you'd like to give it to me. Anyhow, speaking uh, of which, you've got a home and away story. Yes. Yes. Uh, speaking of Channel 7 drama, um, they have uh, apparently censored a lesbian kissing scene because it was too hot for TV. <laughs> now, this is what we talked about. <laughs> Two weeks ago, I they've, think. They've had a, a bit of an ongoing storyline uh, with a couple of the characters in there. Uh, I think they've just been brought in to be lesbians. Uh, Policewoman Charlie Buckton and deckhand Joey Collins. Um, I did see a little bit of the dancing on the boat the other night, and it looked so stagey and, and <laughs> very non-real. Um, conservative lobby groups have been lobbying, strangely enough, uh, for Channel 7 to... <laughs> To uh, drop its and apparently uh, the viewers in general have uh, been switching off and complaining about it. It was interesting because we, we talked about this two weeks ago, the Herald Sun in mm. Melbourne ran a big front page, you know, teaching your, your kids to be gay, I think was the headline or something <laughs> equally insane. And they were saying, oh, shock, 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 horror. And yet, as we pointed out, uh, Neighbours did a, a lesbian storyline three, four years ago, half an hour earlier, mm. you know. And uh, in Adelaide, and that was and, fine, and that seemed to have gone through fine. So yeah, it's kind of and odd. Play School had two mothers, and that actually the it took years before that turned into a sudden controversy. Like that episode had been repeated like five times before. So it's kind of odd how sometimes this is shocking and sometimes it isn't. Oh, sometimes newspapers need to sell themselves. So that could be. The, I think that's closer to the truth. Now, talking about uh, uh, interesting appearances in TV shows, um, Idris Elba. We, we mentioned this once before, but Beck Box kind of wrote in about this. Um, Idris Elba. Uh, who most memorably is known for playing Stringer Bell in The Wire, 
which is a character name and, and not like a pixie or something. Mm-hmm. Um, he's appearing in six episodes of The American Office, um, playing the boss who comes in and makes life hell for Steve Carell. So the new kind of regional manager. Yeah, he's like yeah. above. Yeah, and um, he was interviewed on NPR in, in America a couple of weeks ago. And it's a really lovely interview where he mentioned that he was going to get it to be a play English. Because he's, a, of course, an English actor. He's a Londoner. Yes. He's been ultraviolet, which we talked about in Vampire TV a while back. But um, And they said he could be English, but then two days before filming, um, they said, quote, we don't think the audience is going to get this English thing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and apparently it has yes. been freaking people out <laughs> seeing, you know, uh, Stringer Bell with a, a London accent. Um, and the other thing I wanted to mention in, in interesting sort of remakes and changes to shows, the Spanish version of Life on Mars uh, uh, premiered on Monday, March this, uh, the 9th on Antenna Antenna 3, Antenna Trace, uh, Um, which we mentioned before, and it's kind of happened without anyone sort of noticing, but um, it's titled La Chica de Ella, which was a Spanish uh, hit by Nacho Pop in 2002 and translates as Yesterday Girl. And um, it sounds quite, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it uh, and probably hating it in the same way I hated the American one. But uh, and who's their name star playing Gene Hunt? Um, well, Ernesto Alterio is playing Inspector oh. Jefe Samuel Santos Gallego, um, who tra- transplanted back to 1977 because, of course, they decided a bit later because they wanted to avoid being in the middle of uh, Franco, <laughs> which would just make the show about something entirely different. Um, and the uh, the character Antonio Garrido plays the um, I don't know what the character name is here. Uh, plays uh, Quinn Gallardo, who is the Gene Hunt character. Fellow cops are Raimundo and Cristobal. Um, and does he wear the bee suit in that? Uh, I, th- I believe he does, yes. Yeah. And also, we just hear from the, the website, I found this. The first episode's an adaptation of the Colin Rames case, which now means that this is the fourth time that script has been filmed. Once for the English one, twice for the American one, and now once for the Spanish I'm one. I'm hoping that so. the writers of that episode are getting commissioned one, on this. One this would is, hope so. I was gonna say also, I watched the uh, the opening credits. They're they're online on YouTube. They look oh, great. Oh, good, excellent. Hey, should we uh, continue on in this sort of vein to twenty four? Mm-hmm. Were you wondering if there's going to be an eighth <laughs> season of twenty four? Well, was I? Boy, yes, <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland will be back to play Jack Bauer for the eighth season. So um, I didn't think they'd do season eight because I thought with seven seasons, that's a week. But that's all you need, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but they've, they've decided to go one one extra. Uh, but they're getting double time. Um, the what, show's- what, surely, surely the offer has come in enough to, to tempt Kiefer back. Well, look, uh, look, the show's longevity apparently is going to depend on its writers, Kiefer Sutherland has very correctly said. Now, the 42-year-old... Uh, that's 24 backwards. <laughs> the 42-year-old said said that 24, currently in the seventh season, is going to start shooting its eighth in May. So he spoke uh, during an interview in Hong Kong. He's such a jet-setter. Uh, he's, he's there promoting 3D animated movie Monsters vs. Aliens, which has got to be great. Uh, he voices the character of General W.R. Monger. War Monger, you get it? Um, Sutherland whose uh, gritty portrayal of the counterterrorism agent has made Bauer an iconic character, said that he's, he's committed to the show that's revived his career. Boy, he has it. And he, this is his quote. If I was going to liken 24 to a girlfriend, <laughs> 24 has been really good to me and I need to be really good back, he said. Um, I like that. He's just gone, oh, no, she's been good to me. Well, I'd better be good back. It's not a default position for Kiefer. The idea of if I was going to compare my TV show to a girlfriend, because that's the obvious leap to make, isn't it?
Oh my gosh. Sorry, I was. What are you? I was trying to, to, trying bring to get that the. Uh, right. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> that really helped. <laughs> yeah, that's helped me. It's uh, it builds tension. To break the tension, uh, <laughs> somebody that uh, hasn't really ever given us any tension. Nice segue. You like that one, John? No, it, Just so you I can are break the king it myself. Segue. Yeah, no. uh, Naomi Robson is said to be uh, in in the line to host a hot new project at Seven, um, according to informed Seven Network sources. Naomi Robson's being considered to host a weekly lifestyle program uh, that'll be shown in non-prime time. Uh, now we did report that she had done a pilot. She wanted her own chat show. This isn't going to be that um, but at least she'll be back in the public eye that's going to make Naomi very happy as well mm. actually suing Naomi you should talk about Gretel as well go, oh, go what's Gretel, Gretel crazy doing? what's she doing well given that uh, she hasn't been around for a while she's uh, being rolled out to host the 51st TV Week Logie Awards which happens Sunday May 3 it'll be scintillating oh, I was, um, was going to say look why not I reckon everybody should have a go it should be like national service I'd like to see you have a go Jenna oh Amy god I'd, I'd, I would yeah. I'd, be, I'd certainly be telling the audience to shut up boy reckon... the last the last Logies I was appalled by the, the sound that was coming from the, the, the uh, selfish industry people just chatting <laughs> that oh, murmur my. Yeah. mind you uh, apparently some of the some of the very entertaining thing was uh um, a certain a certain former uh, Logie winner, an actress from Prisoner, who was sitting on the same table as uh, the the people from Collectors. Who every time somebody that she disliked came on stage, she she kept saying, "Ah, oh, who's this wanker?" <laughs> and was throwing bread rolls at Gordon from the uh, Collectors, which which is a great story. Which I thank Andy Muirhead for. I, I would put her on stage. Oh, I'd well, make her part of the show. Oh, I, I would have loved to have let her loose. To finish off, here's a couple of dates for things that have been mentioned before. Uh, Red Dwarf. Now, we talked about for the 21st anniversary of Red Dwarf, the cable UK channel Dave has announced that um, they were making a new series. It's got confirmed dates now. So Friday, April 10th, April 11th, April 12th, that's basically Easter. You'll be able to see Red Dwarf Back to Earth Parts 1, 2 and 3. And on Easter Monday, there's a, uh, a making of you can watch. Um, there's also a viral campaign with websites going on at the moment, which has got some kind of cute stuff. At, uh, you can start off at www.listerscominghome.co.uk. <gasps> um, and uh, there's some also footage going around. They're shot on Red One cameras. It's the first UK production to use those uh, feature films. Knowing and Jumper were filmed oh. on Red Ones, as is uh, ER, Leverage and Supernatural. And the clips look what quite, are they? quite I, amazing. I think I just, I just heard something. Did you hear that? I just heard... About a thousand nerds explode with excitement. <laughs> They're a kind of HD camera, and they, they really are quite... The footage is quite astonishing. They were demonstrated with a, a clip filmed by uh, Lord of the Rings director... New Peter Zealand, Jackson. Pe- oh, thank you. New Zealand's own Peter Jackson. Oh, my God. You, uh, you better hand I in went your credentials at the door, I reckon, anyway, John Richards. But the clips is a, a Blade Runner parody as part of the, the clip online, and it looks like Blade Runner. It's quite impressive. Uh, and I also want to mention about Dave, because I still find Dave as a channel name hilarious. Well, it's it's uh, one of the new digital channels over in the UK, and it's meant to be a blokey channel. But you know, last week we were talking about uh, time-shifted channels, so you'll get like, you know, uh, whatever, and whatever, Sky Plus 2 or yeah. whatever. The Dave Plus 1 channel is called Dave Javu. Oh, see nice. what they do there? Oh, I, I thought see that was what good. They did there. And the other thing to to finish off the Doctor Who special, the first of the, of the new ones for the year, will be playing on Easter Sunday, April twelfth. They haven't confirmed the time yet. Uh, they played a trailer for the special at the Millennium Stadium during the halftime of the recent Six Nations rugby game, which gives an idea of what a thing that is in the UK. 
Uh, Planet of the Dead will be screened in BBC HD for the first time, and it stars Lee Evans, Michelle Ryan from The Bionic Woman, and the DVD already has a release date of May the 11th. Yeah. And uh, just very quickly, uh, British reality TV personality Jade Goody did pass away. Uh, sorry, I'm fairly sure that Josh did mention her, so uh, that was probably his fault as well. And that is the Box Cutters News. Hi, I'm Adam Zouar. You might recognise my voice from ads for Ford, Australia Post and HBA. Or maybe from the phone calls I make to your house late at night. That's right. I make phone calls to your house late at night. I'm Adam Zouar, and you're listening to Box Cutters. That's still my favourite. Joining us now in the studio is a man who undoubtedly, if you've watched any non-crystally comedy in the last 10, 15 years, you've seen his work. He was the writer on, well, everything including Comedy Company, Colin Carpenter, Bly, Fast Forward, Full Frontal. He's written for Sea Change. Uh, produced the McAuliffe program, he's script editor on Kath and Kim. There's, there's really nothing else, is there? But there's novels and all sorts of other stuff. You're overachieving, bastard. <laughs> Please <laughs> welcome to the studio Doug McLeod. Oh, you're too kind. Thank he, you. He's a treasure. Uh, hello, Doug. Good to see you. We've got the same surname, but it's different spelling. I don't know if the posh McLeods are MAC or MC, but one looks down on the other. Oh, we, we, we look down on you, I think, from memory. We, our, our clan is still... Our Most version people of the, do. So our our version of the clan has still got a castle, so uh, that's it. But the interesting thing, well, actually, Doug's mother and my mother are both CWA ladies. You know, there's a CWA background there. So I think, I think that's it. I think I was always being pushed, you should meet Doug McLeod. Uh, hey, what's your castle? What's you, no, just castle. There's a Mac, there's a McLeod castle. Yeah, Dun, Dunvegan. Yes, that's ours, not yours. Oh, I'm going to take oh, you on. Controversial. This is it? Flame war. Yeah, watch watch us compare tartans very now, soon. Moving you back from the castle podcast, we'll be recording afterwards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what I wanted to start off, Doug, actually, is last week we had Rod Quantock in, mm. and the first time this has ever happened, Rod point blank denied one of the uh, one of the pieces on his IMDb list, uh, one of the projects, <laughs> <laughs> and we were forced to scribble it off. IMDB apparently, um, you know, he 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 no longer talks about that show. I'm wondering, with your long career, basically, what are the highlights? What are the ones you go that I'm most satisfied with, and and which of them are your Greeks on the roof? <laughs> well, Greeks on the roof is one. Uh, <laughs> did, did, you, did you work on Greeks on the roof? No, I oh, just worked for a company that was making it at the time. Um, <clears throat> my favourite one on that list. Well, it's, you know, it's probably comedy company because it got me involved in the whole business and I had a, a good time. And uh, my, unf- my least favourite one, I think, was possibly Wedlocked. Um, oh, that was, was that, um, uh, I, I can vaguely remember seeing pictures of it up at, at was it Channel 9? Or somewhere, wherever it was, and it just wasn't shown until it was like late at night. Is that right? Am I remembering that correctly? No. Can you, can you talk, can <laughs> was you, it ever shown? Can you talk us through the premise of Wedlocked? Because I must admit, I went a bit vague on that one. I remembered it existed, but I could do no more. This was the problem with Wedlocked. What you're saying is ringing a lot of bells. Um, <laughs> no, it wasn't on Channel 9. I don't know what channel it was on. Um, it was 7. And <laughs> what. Wedlock was was um, Ned and Stacy, but not very. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> so if you if you hate Ned and Stacy, you want to hate Wedlock. It's, it's weird how it turned out because I don't want to diss anyone on the show. The cast were all really good, mm. and um, we had a 
we had a nice director, and but it, it really wasn't great, and I think that I have to take quite a bit of responsibility for that. And I can't get rid of it on IMDb as much as I would like to. <laughs> By the way, that's harder than you think to get stuff... To get stuff removed, yes. Oh, Wikipedia, very easy. but <laughs> And indeed to make your show sound a lot better than it actually was. How much how much involvement did you get to have with most of these shows? Like, was it a thing where you, you hand the scripts in and then they, they tell you to get lost? Or, or were you involved in the steps along the way? It depended on the health of the TV station at the time. When I started work at Channel 10 back in uh, 88, it was a time of great prosperity. And then suddenly it was a time when we were all running around being, you know, watching our asses. And what happened was we were, in fact, put into receivership. And the great thing was, because they were so busy trying to uh, blame other people, I suppose, and trying to see how many American game shows they could adapt successfully for, for Australia, the answer to which was none, um, I, they sort of left me alone to, uh, to play. And that was great, because it meant that the Colin Carpenter series, which I really did love, uh, Kim Gingell, one of our great, great, Funny man. Yeah, um, we did like I think about eighty of those in the end, and I'd there was a period where I, I'd write every week. I'd, I'd write um, an episode on the weekend, and then we'd shoot it on the I think on the Friday night. Um, Kim would um, colonise the script. He called it <laughs> colonising it. Most of my scripts required colonising. But because we were a cheap little show and we didn't make much noise and out there at Nunawading, people don't, you know, it's easy to get away with stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, we had a two-year run with that show and that was great fun. But if you're involved with some of the some of the stations that have perhaps, how can I put this, perhaps more like Channel 9, uh, <laughs> if I can be oblique. <laughs> Please do. It's a little more difficult. Yeah, so it's it's almost a, it, when you're left alone, then things are far more successful. When there's the the more upper management that that wants to poke their fingers into into things that see and be part of a successful thing, it seems that that's where the threads start to get pulled. That well, well, we all say that, but I can screw up pretty well on my own as well. I don't really need a lot of help from <laughs> management to do that. <laughs> You've done quite a lot of work with with Sean McAuliffe, who we huge fans of box cutters and I was just looking down you were a producer on the McAuliffe program was that yeah that was very kind of them to give me that but basically all I did was uh, as a producer was um, hire people who wouldn't be uh, you know would be pretty good and um, they were and um, Sean would dutifully run the sketches by me and there were some sketches in particular where I remember saying you must not do this you simply must not do this. You you will be attacked and and mugged. And if you ever have to go to court, they'll just send you to jail. Even <laughs> if it's just for a parking fine. And even if you're found innocent, they will just you're going down if you do this sketch. Which of course was so stupid of me because Sean would immediately make sure with Ted Emery that the the sketch got shot. And, all, <laughs> and they usually made it onto the show. So, so my involvement in the McAuliffe. Um, programs was sadly peripheral i'd like to take more credit for that because they, they were great great shows but he did some wonderful stuff that was a little underrated because full frontal had lost a bit of the gloss mm. but uh, gee towards the end there he was doing some pretty terrific stuff there as well he always struck me as being kind of out of place on that show though it's always yeah. seemed like yeah whenever whenever he did these pieces there'd be these amazing surreal kind of you know obviously from a different kind of mindset to the other stuff. And then it had jump through to something with a catchphrase. Yeah. Well, this is absolutely true because Sean eschewed uh, parody. Uh, 
unless it was a genre parody, like the brilliant Roger Explosion was a parody of Bond movies, um, Hong Kong Bond movies. Um, But once or twice, I like to make sure that all the actors were working on the live night, unless they wanted the night off, because I like to share the work around. And one live night, the only sketch that... I mean, Sean had had heaps recorded during the week because he was always very, very prolific. Um, but I think we did a parody of the the nanny, um, and I could tell his heart really wasn't in it. <laughs> he wasn't playing the Fran Drescher role, but uh, uh, right. so that was being played by by Kitty Flanagan, another brilliant uh, comedian. But that night, I don't think Sean got two of the lines right. So um, no, you're right. It was a very different um, comedy that he brought to the table, and I'm very, very glad he did. Yes, when he went to the ABC, that it seemed a far more natural home for him to sit there. The it's interesting looking at the first episode of oh god I sound like a geek we'll, we'll be talking about Cybermen soon. <laughs> who do you think thing, listens to this show? <laughs> the first episode of the McAuliffe program I think is very full frontal. It, it does have kind of a more or less parody work. There's some beautiful new stuff. There's a, a wonderful sketch where we, we, we played around with the, the set, putting it on an angle and shooting on an angle. You know that the old trick. Mm. Um, but yes, towards the, the third series of the program, um, I wondered if the ABC was actually watching it. <laughs> there was some magnificent rubbish. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful stuff. Oh, actually, I was going to, I just noticed on the list, 1992 Bly. Mm, I've only thanks. got vague memories of that as well, because mm. uh, I, I quite like history mm. uh, myself. How, many, how long did that go for? Uh, well, Bly was governor for about two years mm. in um, 1805. Well, yes. But the TV show? Ah, the TV oh, show. The TV show. <laughs> However, the TV show was slightly less than that. Yeah, it was a bit. The, Bly is a difficult thing to talk about. I, I think it was ill-advised to attempt a show that seemed to be treading ground that Rowan Atkinson had very recently trodden himself. Uh, I was wondering, was it, yeah, was it intended to be an Australian blackout that was at the... Well, everyone said, oh, no, but uh, <laughs> I rather suspect they were being disingenuous. Um, it certainly sounded like an Australian blackout. Right. And my problem was that um, I actually liked Bly. The more I read about the man, the more I realised he'd been hard done by. Yeah, I felt and sorry for him. Yeah, the real prick was the guy we put on the $2 note, you know. Yes. MacArthur gets the $2 note, well, oh. not anymore, and, and what does Bly get? Mm. Well, and MacArthur also got all the credit for the, the, the development of the Merino herds. I'm sorry, it was Mrs. Mrs. Yes, MacArthur, did Yes, it? yes, you and your tired <laughs> feminist rhetoric. Yes, we know. <laughs> <laughs> and stay listening for the Tired Feminist Rhetoric podcast after right. this one. Well, let's see. Uh, Doug and I are going to be working on another historical one called uh, Batman. Because, <laughs> quite frankly, there's, there's far more uh, comedy material there with John Batman. Don't you think it's a shame they didn't call Melbourne? Are we on air, ba- by the way? Where we're yeah. going? It's oh, a shame. It's a shame that Melbourne wasn't called Batman Batmania. because then you'd have well. Well, it was going to be called Batmania. I know, but which just would have been Batman awesome. because think- the, the, the first church would have been Holy Christ, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Batmania is still good though. Yeah. I've got Batmania. This but- shall be the place for a bat cave. Um, <laughs> that would be great. Moving away from Bly quite quickly, though. Uh, you you don't uh, as a writer on Sit Down Shut Up, and you're also uh, marked as a producer. And we've talked about it recently because, of course, uh, it's been purchased by I'm thinking Fox NBC. off the top of my head or someone. I thought it was NBC. No, no, what no. It's absolutely. It's very easy to recall. That in fact it's <laughs> going on Fox. Can you crinkle it's that actually, paper more? It's actually debuting on Fox on April the nineteenth, two thousand and nine, at eight thirty p.m. Oh, 
where it joins the Simpsons Family Guy and American Dad as part of Fox's animation domination lineup. That's just off the top of your head. my head. Explain to me, though, because this is the bit that confused me. I, I was overseas when it aired. I must admit I've never seen it. But the, the feeling I got, and I feel that we're good friends now, Doug, and I can be honest, I, I got the feeling that it hadn't gone down terribly well. And it seems odd that some years later, suddenly an American TV station is, is you know, taking a, an overseas show that wasn't necessarily a great success. John. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I will stand by this show uh, until I die. Uh, your reaction is, oddly enough, summed up by something I read on IMDb, which you know that read as well, because I know that we have the same bookmarks. <laughs> <laughs> One of the responses to the Australian version of Sit Down and Shut Up, which was uh, devised by um, Brendan Reed and Tim, <laughs> they were, and they were both brilliant and memorable. Um, but and we get nine point five stars or something on IMDb. But the, one of the people wrote back. Uh, they posted while it at first looked amateurish and pathetic. <laughs> I quickly learned it was funny and intelligent. <laughs> the, the, the trouble is that a lot of the critics and the viewers in this country didn't get by that first <laughs> hurdle. Uh, it, it actually um, was very... Oh, God, what's the word? If you say off the wall, I hate that because I prefer shows that are very much on the wall and you know, mounted on brackets and really stuck into that wall. But, no, it, it, it was wild. I loved it. It was, it was wonderfully... Um, the, the, the scripts became more and more absurd. Uh, we did have a, a rough trot there for a while. Ross Warnicky, God, oh, can I talk about Ross? Please, 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 please do. Talk about Ross, can I please talk about Ross? Please, please, please. Uh, we knew he'd hate it. Ross writes, wrote, wrote such funny things uh, about um, <laughs> when Kath and Kim started. He was very angry about it, and then it started rating very well. And, well, yes, okay. Well, Two million Australians watched Kath and Kim last night. Big deal. That means that eighteen million didn't. And that's just the way he. But he was. He was just, just like, for the interstate uh, <laughs> listeners uh, and international listeners. I should point out, Ross Warnicky was a reviewer in the Age, the Green Guide, and generally he would hate anything until it stopped being good, and then he would like it. <laughs> that, that tend to be the turnaround point. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, he's no longer with us because he he, he was axed, and uh, and and Ross. A lot of people, two hundred Australians, went to Ross's funeral. But of course, that means that nineteen million nine hundred ninety thousand nine hundred people didn't go to, to Ross's funeral. Oh. But uh, he, we didn't send him a preview tape of. Um, and I do apologise to any Ross Warnicky fans, both of you. Um, we didn't send him a preview tape because uh, we didn't. We knew it would be. He'd just go us, and he he knew he wanted to go us. And please let me edit, let me. Edit. So he was one of the few critics who ever reviewed a show off air. And of course, it was just from start to finish it was acid the weird thing is that Barbara Hooks had done the same thing and they hadn't even realised and her review was on the next page and it was a it was a rave oh yes oh that's always interesting when you get that in the same newspaper and because I mean sit down shut up there was some pretty good characters and some I I can only just remember I'd come home and it'd be on and so uh, I was just a casual viewer I think but but again some great performances and and Always, Mr. Curry, always good to um, get some get the funnies out there. Uh, we had Mark, Mark Downey. Downey, who was just great, yeah. just great. I love Mark Downey. I think she's a, a Mark, under, if you're listening. 
performer. Exactly. Uh, huge, huge. Yes. What a resource. There we go. What yes, a resource. She's a, what resource. a resource. She should be tapped. Yes, I, <laughs> Tap I, I totally resource. agree. I think she's hilarious. <laughs> but what did you? When did you find out about the Fox remake? I mean, did it affect you? Did they come to you with a big bag of Fox money and go, "We'd like to use some of your jokes," or was it just the thing you read about in the paper? Well, this is the lovely thing about it all. You see, uh, I was owned lock, stock, and barrel by um, by uh, Steve. And Andrew Knight, and that was fine. They paid me nicely, and I sort of stuck around for a few years. I might have outstayed my welcome, I'm not sure. So anything that I wrote was pretty well owned by them. But I know for a fact that some of the people who worked on the show, um, they, it's most, it's quite likely, and this could even be subjudice, uh, it's quite likely that they might, might have some, some money uh, forthcoming. But it's, it's a great compliment that this show was bought on the strength of the scripts. Yeah. Uh, they've actually... The people involved are really remarkably well-known. Yeah. Uh, of course, it is an animated show, uh, but you'll be hearing the voices of Henry Winkler. You'll be hearing Kristen Chenoweth. You'll be hearing... Jo- yes, yes, exactly. Wow. J- Jason Bateman. So they're animating it. So it's, oh, it, yeah. It's, it's, that's great. There are clips now on YouTube as well. You can actually... Because mm. I went looking for clips of, of your Sit Down, Shut Up, and mm. I couldn't find them, but I did see some clips of the new Fox oh, anim- animation version, excellent. which is, is looking... Yeah. And speaking of animations, shall we move on to Dogstar? Because I, I, again, I've quite enjoyed Dogstar, I must yeah, say. Because I'm, I'm very mature like now that. Now, again, Dogstar, <laughs> um, not familiar to me, but it's a kid's show. What's it about, Jenny? Uh, well, it's, uh, uh, we're looking at, thank, thank God, spaceships, uh, which is always good. But seeing as if you've got the word star in the title, you really, you really want there to be a spaceship. Otherwise, everybody's going to be disappointed. Uh, and they're looking for dogs. There's, there's dogs and kids in, uh, in a <laughs> Sorry, spaceship. Is that seriously what the show's about? I'm Pretty much. I'm, I mean, I, I'm so downloading that when I get home. Well, that's, that's brilliant. The trouble is that every second thing on the web is called Dogstar. It's it's you know it's mm. band. It's it's pants. It's Keanu like, Reeves is in the band. Yeah, Dogstar. It, it, it is. Uh, but yeah, Janet's pretty much. Um, I think I've I think I've encapsulated it. There's, huh? there's kids travelling around a spaceship and they're looking for dogs. We think that it's works. wise not to. You know, you don't want to sort of limit yourself. You, no. Now that was the beauty. Going into geek mode again of, of you know Doctor Who. Stick a man in a blue box. That, that'll be yeah, that'll be a show. Too. Here's a show for you. Now, it's a lovely series. We're doing series two now. Oh, great. Uh, we, uh, I'm writing that with Philip uh, Dalkin, my, um, my comedy partner, I guess. Uh, hello, Philip, if you're listening. And um, we did rather well with Dogstar. And there's some um, brilliant uh, voice actors in it, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone from, well, Matt Tilly from Matt and Joe Show, etc. Uh, Sean McAuliffe, mm-hmm. once again, as the narrator. And uh, a cat. He plays a cat. And a cat. And a cat. Oh, I that, didn't know he was that, the voice of the cat. That's a role he was born to play. Oh, I like surely. that. Of course it's him. <laughs> of course it is. Uh, Michael, Michael Vitch, Kate McLennan, um, a fabulous comedic actress uh, who's... Uh, I just love Kate and Henry Mars as well. Oh, he's fantastic. Uh, um, who would have? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> he's that, as in bachelors from Prague, Henry. Yeah. Yes, yeah, bachelors. Nice. Black cat. Henry. Stylish, stylish man. And Mark Downey, who we've already raved about. who is a resource that must be tapped. uh, Yes, the the resource to be tapped in Australia. So please, anybody out there with a tap, uh, if you could go find Mark. That would be great. (laughs) And John Stanton. And John Stanton. There was no actual question there, was it? We just told you what dog star is, but still, that's that's good. I think that was it. Okay. Um, I also wanted to ask Catherine Kim, you're the script editor of, which is intriguing for a show that's, that's built around two such strong performers who are also the writers... What what does the script editing entail in in that particular um, setup? Spell check. <laughs> <laughs> you put in the apostrophes. 
Uh, here again, it's a, it's a little <laughs> difficult. The role of a, of a script editor <laughs> is a very malleable, labile thing. And I'm working with two women who are disgustingly talented. Yes. Overburdened with talent. It's just completely unfair. And I already, by the time I joined the show, like episode nine, Matt Cameron had uh, been the script editor before that. The show had already gone through the stratosphere, so it was, <laughs> I was hardly, you know, trailblazing. <laughs> all right, I think we're seeing Doug as passenger. Uh, <laughs> I, I like the idea. I like the idea of uh, spell checking on Kevin Kim and just doing, uh, you know, find replace my with moi, M O I replace. Mm. Uh, Every script I got from them was in, in very good nick. It re- really was. I wish they'd told me they were going to Channel 7 because I would have put in ad breaks. But then <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, um, I almost felt embarrassed about, um, about taking, um, well, taking the money because <laughs> it was... Uh, I don't know that many of my gags were used. And I... Uh, I was more of, I suppose, a structure person. But, you know, I was very big on structure, but the trouble is so were they. Oh, <laughs> they did it instinctively. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Don't did, you hate that? Well, what about the stru- – speaking of structure, because that's, a, a, again, a very different thing in television on the ABC, no ads, and television on commercials, ads. And if you do not have the correct structure that incorporates uh, the, the energy flows that have ads – uh, you know, three three ads per three ad breaks per half hour show with top and tail at the end. Then uh, it's it it's really difficult to watch a show that's got had the ads forced into it. So mm. there is there are those considerations. I'm it's just amazing to, that shows I'm, like Third Rock from the Sun took off in this country because they were actually just chopped to bits to mm. get the ads fit in there. Oh, it's appalling when you see things that have been edited to uh, allow ads. I mean, well, I any- love ads myself because the first scripts I wrote for for TV had ad breaks. Oh, yes. So it meant they were only 20 pages long. But, you know, <laughs> when all of a sudden I got to the ABC, it was 27 pages. And now I'm doing animation, it's 40 pages. And, oh. um, mm. uh, yeah, the it's interesting seeing the American shows that obviously had the ad breaks now on cable and um, and. and that jar as well. Mm. I, I will freely admit to being a fan of the Adams Family, and you can see. Oh, <laughs> yes. It is funny with modern American dramas, I think the ad breaks actually help because they force them to write it in, I think it's what, five, seven minute acts or whatever yep. they call it. Yeah. And, um, mm. and so every, every segment leads to a little cliffhanger. Yep. And it's funny when you stop drinking, the structure's actually really nice now. It actually works really, it's quite pleasing. <laughs> pleasing. <laughs> it's a pleasing. What a word structure. we use in comedy that pleasing, pleasing show. I found it pleasing. <laughs> we can. Um, you've got a show in post at the moment called Whatever Happened to That Guy? Yeah. What's that about? About 27 minutes. Oh, <laughs> well, that's, that's quite long for a commercial see, one. This is, this is comedy gold. Uh, <laughs> you, can, you can tell that this is a 50-year-old comic veteran who's talking here. <laughs> Dad's uh, chain-smoking through this interview as well. You can't see that at home. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> if you were to uh, get Larry David's show... And um, taking Australian stars, you would have about every second project that's been pitched to every network in Australia. <laughs> but ours got picked. Uh, so <laughs> it's a it's a great show. It's Peter Moon is the most generous man. He gave us complete access to his life, and uh, so he's playing the character Peter Moon. Yes, isn't he is, he? and it's basically it is pretty much his life. We 
he was going to use his family uh, initially, and they were all good actors, but suddenly some of the material that was coming out was so confronting. And I, I love Curb Your Enthusiasm. It, this certainly has um, overtones of it, but uh, you know, I like to think we've, we've, we've put our own stamp on it. Um, the, the nice thing is it's, it's, a, it's a cable show being made with a budget. Oh, and that's not. Oh, that's that's often quite good. The case, yeah. So, so uh, Pedwin's playing himself, mm-hmm. and Andrew Powell is playing his wife, mm-hmm. a marvelous uh, character Ethel actress, Chop. Mm. Ethel Chop. <laughs> yes, better known to a lot of comedy people as Ethel Chop, the the most. Uh, um, cr- the crankiest, most hideous old lady in the known universe. Fantastic stuff. Brilliant. And I'm glad to see Andrea finally getting embraced in this fashion because I just think she's she's just a, a great character actress and has been, again, a resource that needs to be tapped. So I'm glad she's been... Good on your pal. You're getting tapped. This is great. Um, uh, Maria Theodorakis, who many theatre sports people will, will know, a, a great improviser as well. Tony Rickard's blast from the past there. Oh, well, Tony also appeared in Kath and Kim. But oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, he's, I think he, he's actually a funeral um, home owner. Oh, in this. Yeah, and he's, oh. and he's great. It's, look, the casting is, is great. There's eight episodes. Uh, I'm not sure when it's, um, when it's going to air, but um, and I haven't actually seen it. So when you say I'm in post-production... That's probably a bit misleading. Someone, someone, is, someone in is in post Somewhere post production is happening. Now, this is the other thing because, of course, this is uh, Peter Moon's life on show, I suppose, is the concept of the show, which is very well. I'm just looking back to 1990 on Internet Movie Database. It's larger than life, which, from memory, that was the Mark Mitchell show. Is mm. that right? Mm. Yes, where that was, the, that was again uh, a concept where it was Mark and his family. And mm. that was um, no, no. It, what, you're wrong. Um. Oh, thank God! Because I, I'm, I can't quite remember back that far. I don't know what I was up to back then. No, you're, 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 it's very easy to get confused because don't forget this was Channel Ten in 1990, and yes. basically they were they wanted to strip programs, like put them on every week in the same time. So you, mm. you do that normally, but uh, it never worked. You didn't know what time the show was going to be on, and they mm. just sort of. You know, we just chuck it in the air and see where it landed. And uh, there were four episodes of a show that had great potential. It was called The Big Time. I didn't work on it, but it had good potential. And it was actually, yes, it was about Mark's life, more or less. He had Mm. a secret life like Rupert Pupkin in the... Mm. in the basement. He had his own show in the basement. But it was quite good. It got axed before anyone, I think, got a real flavour for it. I mean, you can't even remember the title of it. The the Larger Than Life show was just another sketch show that... It's not bad. We, what I really liked about it, well, Mark was very good, but John Walker, who was, became a real mainstay of Full Frontal, that was his first TV appearance, oh, and, uh, okay. and he was terrific. I, I quite like remembering those, just those little, uh, the shows that were there for two episodes, like the Comedy Sale. That was, that had Lane <laughs> on, well, actually, no, I didn't have Lane on, know, they had I, the Found I, Objects, the precursor. I was certain Rob Quantock was involved with the Comedy Sale, and after the whole Greeks and the Ruth debacle, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to bring it up. I was just <laughs> Comedy well, Sale was, was once again, it was ridiculous. Ridiculously well cast. You had um, oh. Mikey and you know Sandman and it was uh, just Ross Daniels. I yeah. mean, the found objects. Uh, for those who, of you who don't know, then Leonard Woodley used to be a trio, um, and with oh, yes, there was there was they split themselves into there was an amoeba type thing. No, there was also Scott Casley who who was uh, again very funny. And Scott went off to become a nothing airline pilot. 
Ollie's probably kicking himself now. Did he become an airline pilot? <laughs> oh, he, he had a bike shop in uh, Alice Springs and he's moved to New Zealand. Ooh. Can we get back to TV? It's Scott Casley show. We're, we're actually out of time, but I will um, mention that Doug is, of course, appearing at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival in an event called Axed, where you'll be talking about shows that didn't come up. Yes. Didn't get up with the same enthusiasm, I imagine, for the ones that you talked about, the ones that did get made. <laughs> Um, Doug McLeod, Anthony Minketty, Fiona Lachlan and the fabulous Adam Richard will all be part of that at the Melbourne Town Hall Saturday the 11th of April at 3pm I went to it last year and it was, a, it was a good bit of fun to see everyone spew their bitterness out oh, There we go, so the Saturday, Saturday, Saturday the 11th of April, 3pm, uh, it is a two hour show and bookings are via Ticketmaster Yeah, they said it was a two hour show last year as well and then mm. three hours later it was over Call so, Girl, <laughs> Call Girl Oh and Call Girl, there's a, there's a fantastic uh, it, it, always when you see an original musical in Australia then it's always a del- delight, especially when one is very entertaining and works. So Tracy Harvey has uh, has has actually been the instigator of uh, a show that's all about, well, call centre worker who's also this superwoman. And so I saw the, the very first run that they did at the Phoenix Theatre in Elwood. I was so impressed by, by the results. So it had... It's even better. It's, yeah, well, that's it. And, so 14th and again, of April, it starts at Chapel Off Chapel. Mm, so I saw, it, I saw it in its first run and I was very impressed. So, uh, uh, and it's even been reworked further. So some great people connected to it. I'm excited. There if, we you, go. if you're one of our listeners in the UK or the US, you don't have to come to that. It's, it's not obligatory. <laughs> Can we have our show back now? But it'd be Can we? trip. <laughs> it would be the worth the yeah. trip. Hang on, hang on. Let's handball it back to John. Boom. Doug McLeod, thank you so much for coming in. A pleasure. Bonjour tout le monde, bienvenue à Box Cutters. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Box Cutters. This is Toby Sullivan uh, displaying his bilingual prowess on the best TV podcast that uh, I've ever encountered. Now on E4, Dead Set, which contains strong language and scenes of horror which some viewers may find disturbing. This programme is best suited for widescreen viewing, surround sound and should be watched in a darkened room. Dead Set is born out of the largely misanthropic mind of Charlie Brooker, who also brought us the excellent Nathan Barley and the quite infamous... Oh my god, this guy's a genius. Yeah. I have no idea who's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nathan Barley. And, and and the quite infamous pedophilia episode of Brass Eye. He's also the um, a regular writer for The Guardian, um, and he, you can find his pieces collected in books there. They're quite astonishing. So it's it's set in the... The show is called Dead Set, as, as we heard. Uh, it's set at the UK Big Brother house, and zombies attack during the taping of an eviction night, and... It's, As uh, they do. Yeah, and the Big Brother house is seemingly the only safe place in all of England. Before we go on, can I just say how much I love that little that little piece we just played? Is is each of the episodes has has that effectively by one of the E4 announcers? It's not part of the show. It's just the, the standard E4 warning there is material thing. Yeah. But to end off with, it should be watched in a widescreen television, surround sound, and in a darkened room. I think that's fantastic. It, it, it is excellent because. We, it, it, it does need to be a darkened room. The things the the premise does make it sound like a comedy, and coming from a man who has in the past written a lot of comedy, you'd expect it to be a comedy, but it's, it's not. It's not a comedy. It, I, is, it is just straight horror. I'm going to say I sat down to watch it, assuming it was a sitcom. You know, coming from Charlie Brooker, and and was actually I must admit thrilled that it wasn't because I'd been putting off watching it, going oh, zombies, Big Brother house. That's a bit obvious. And this is genuinely a, a full-on zombie thriller, and I personally love that. I it's thought- it, it is a lot like uh, 
George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. And, and by it, a, a lot set, like, it's exactly the same. I mean, look, this is, this is, yeah, this is the same. It is. It's, it's Dawn of the Dead, you know, the, the Romero version, if you take out the supermarket and replace it with the shopping Big mall. Brother house. Yeah. The it, shopping mall. You, yeah. you take out the shopping mall and it being a, a comment on, uh, on just gross commercial, uh, consumerism and put it in the Big Brother house and make it a comment on uh, gross television consumerism. But is that what the zombies were like in in the Romero? No, no. These are the 28 like, Days like Later those, zombies. Yeah, yeah. No, those these are like actually... stalking and... This is the thing. It, it's, <laughs> it, it's Dawn of the Dead done in the style of 28 Days Later with the Big Brother house. In all honesty, there is nothing original about the plot old structure and yet I think it's one of the best bits of telly I've, I've seen in a long time I, it's funny because I, I found myself going there is nothing original in this but it's superb I it, 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 is, was... it is a little piece of genius and, and E4 is the uh, digital channel for, for Channel 4 uh, so they had access to the actual Big Brother house although curiously that's not the actual Big Brother ah. house no this is the weird thing because it's it's also partly made Brooker has a relationship with the production company the name of which has just gone from my head Endemol Endemol he actually has a, a connection through an, a, one of Endemol's sort of sub companies mm. so yeah so I thought oh what a clever idea you know Channel 4 which is the home of Big Brother in the UK you know yet to use the same sets they actually had to build their own Big Brother house it's um. Let me just and check. and with Davina McCall, who is the UK who Gretel is the Colleen. real host. She's the real Gretel Colleen. And in this, and and minor spoiler, minor spoiler, um, she may become a zombie, and she terrified the hell out of me. I I just there's also it's interesting that the Big Brother. Oddly enough, watching this, I realised that I've never actually watched Big Brother ever, and yet because I was living in the UK when it started, I kind of have absorbed all the catchphrases, and I don't know because I, I didn't see the Australian one, but. At the end of every eviction thing, Davina McCall goes, I'm coming to get you. It's a catchphrase that she used. It's turned up on Doctor Who, used it in a sinister form. And of course in this, I'm coming to get you, is, is, it has so many other meanings yes. to it. And, and because the UK Big Brother's slightly different, where, where the crowd are actually on the, the, right on the other side of the double doors coming so, out of the house rather than having to go in a golf cart around halfway around uh, Dreamworld. Yeah, it's not even in Dreamworld. No, no, surprisingly, being the UK production. But the UK one, yeah, there are thousands of people there, which, again, very clever, going, well, if a zombie outbreak happens, let's set it when there are thousands of people around the Big Brother house. Um, it's, it's, mm, a, it's a real Big Brother And so the housemates can actually hear the, the crowd. I can hear the crowd. And it's a real eviction night that they filmed. They, they filmed the, the fake Big Brother evict being evicted on a real night by the real host in front of a real crowd who are there for, for you know... Uh, for, for an actual eviction. For an actual eviction. So, yeah, and that bit's used in the show. So it, it is so convincing because it looks like a Big Brother house. So uh, there was some language on the, on, the, on the little placard poster thingies that, that the audience took in uh, with uh, um, uh, what... Uh, not Gandalf. Um, what's, what's the name oh uh, yes, my, no, my pretty pretty. Um, uh, yeah, with with Golem. <laughs> yes, Golem. Like like I was going to say Smog. It's not. There's it's this, Golem. There's this shot of of an abandoned placard on the ground, kind of in this muddy water, saying Golem is a cunt. Yes. Do they actually allow those? Uh, I think E4 is ones. pretty much. I mean, swearing on on English television does seem to be whatever, whatever you want, and I think the sex is pretty full on as well. Um, but yeah, I think once you're in things like E4, you know, whatever you it's, want, there are no rules. <laughs> there are the actual, no rules. But the UK Big Brother 
do do they actually get posters like that? Uh, I um, at certain points, it's curious. One of the things Davina says, and again, you've got to tell me. I don't know whether the Australian one did this. She go, Big Brother House, um, you are now live. Please do not swear. That was always the thing. <laughs> and she the had first to thing say coming first. out was bollocks. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's a thing that she always says every week, and and yeah, and so obviously it's it's a country that swears a lot. You yeah, know? yeah, they they really are. So yes, there, there was that placard. Uh, the I, I have to, just you know I'm a big fan of horror, and up until now, Supernatural was the closest thing I I had on current television to horror. This just makes Supernatural look piss weak. It's, it's curious. I mean, one thing is I don't think it... Off the top of my head, I couldn't think of anyone ever having done a zombie TV series before. I mean, zombies are... They're a cinema kind of element. I, I couldn't think of a single television program that had done zombies. No. Well, not not as as a whole. I mean, Buffy had a, a zombie episode. Yeah, you're not, not like an episode, but an entire An entire series. series. And admittedly, it is. It's a five-part. It's a five-part series. The first part is fifty minutes. The other four twenty-five. So I think we can effectively say it's a six-part, yep. twenty-five-minute series. So and it is one story. It's effectively a three-hour, you know, two and a half-hour film. That's that's what we're kind of watching. But yep. made for television on an incredibly tight budget, and you would not guess it. I don't. I don't think you would guess for a moment how. No, the, the special effects are fantastic. The story is fantastic. The actors are really good. Uh, there are some uh, some really expensive shots that you you wouldn't you wouldn't think of. Like you know, there there are shots of of people on a river. That's very expensive to film. <laughs> but uh, it, but it's fascinating the way too. Because I mean, I, I must admit, having enjoyed this so much, and I do love zombie films. I love George Romero zombie films, and this is from that. Yeah, I went and did quite a bit of reading. And the budget was so tight. It was like um, the, the zombies have special uh, contact lenses. They can only afford a very tiny amount of them. So basically, it's the same zombie over and over again. Any close-up, there's like three zombies who get close-ups. And they put different wigs and hats on <laughs> <laughs> ah, so, Rather than the cast actually sharing the contacts. Yeah, they, they which couldn't, wouldn't be very they couldn't, they couldn't do that yeah, for various rules. So, but, you know. but tight budgets is, is the very nature of the, those George Romero, or the, the early films. But it, it also fascinates me, if you we compare this to Survivors, uh, which, which, which I we did, about. which I yes. did constantly while watching yeah. it. Yeah, um, Survivors, a series about the end of the world, we talked about quite a while back. Dreadful, really dreadful sub soap opera kind of, you know, bad on all levels. This has probably the catering budget of Survivors, and yet tight and believable, and that sense of doom, that sense of you know just impending awfulness to everything. Well, and 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 characters that you can relate to. Uh, I mean, there, there are some over-the-top characters. I think the, the uh, executive producer, who is like a lot of executive producers that I know, but a, a little bit more so. I think he's he's there for comic relief, largely. Uh, but, but generally, it, it's about people trying desperately to survive in a situation that nobody understands. Uh, and at the same time, being in this situation that we have seen time and time and time again... On television, these people isolated from the rest of the world. They don't know what's going on, there, and they're largely idiots. There is that lovely thing that, yeah, it, it takes a little while for them to find out what's going on. We, of course, the audience know for quite a while before they do. And and when one of the characters does come in to try and tell them, at first they think it's a stunt by Big Brother. Yes. Which is, which is quite hilarious. Which, of course, they would. Yeah, yeah. Though, I... I I must admit, acting-wise, I, I didn't necessarily buy Andy Nyman as Patrick, who's the, the producer. I thought he was a little bit over the top mm. for my taste. And 
I had a problem with Kevin Eldon playing Joplin, not because he did a bad performance, but because Kevin Eldon is he's too... He's so recognisable. And he's recognisably a comedy actor. And yes. so I, I had a small problem that every time he was there, it kind of took me away and, a and bit. And Joplin was Gollum? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. who played the, the husband in Nighty Night. And, oh, uh, uh, and also in, in Big Train. And um, he's been in, in virtually all the shows. Like Space, you'd get guest spots in Space, Black in Books. Um, virtually anyone you can mention, really. He's been in, he's been in pretty much everything. Hyper, Hyperdrive, I think it was called. He was in two series that. Yeah, so, Catherine yeah. Tate was in that. Couldn't watch it. So, yeah, basically he's been in, he's been in everything. Um, Kelly, who's uh, played by Jamie Winston, she's the effective lead. Um, she is Ray Winston's daughter. I thought she might be. Winstone is pronounced. Is it? Winstone. Is it? Yeah. Yes. Uh, she, yeah, I thought she might be. She was very good. Yeah, look, I, I'm, it's funny, that, that thing when we were saying, why do we find certain characters engaging and others not? Like, you know, why do I not find the characters in Survivors engaging? Whereas the characters in this one, who don't really do any more than the characters in Survivor, I actually went with. And I think maybe it's... I think when you have lower budgets, there's a, tens, a tendency to, to focus a bit more on... So, yeah, we, we stayed in, in certain areas. We stayed in... It's mostly in real time. And I think you just... You find yourself more in their world. Well, yeah, I, th- I think with the... Uh, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a budget restriction or maybe it's it's because they had low budgets that they didn't try to write too much into these characters. But we get a, an understanding very early on about Kelly that she is just a person trying to do a job at a TV studio, and she's very much bottom bottom rung. She's a very underdog kind of character, and uh, and she's just a regular person with a regular job, uh, trying to to make her way in the world and, and trying to climb up the ladder. Eventually, uh, this is what she wants to do for a living, and uh, that's enough. That's enough for us to relate to. It, we don't have to have all of this emotional backstory. In fact, we've got no backstory at all. And I think that's one of the biggest problems with Survivors is how much backstory they shoved onto all of these characters. We we don't need that much. We just we, need to sort of, yeah, spend time and, and care about them. What what did you think, Brett? You're a little bit quieter than we are? So what, you, what were your thoughts? Well, you know, you guys have got lots of thoughts that you want to share about it. I think that um, I think the, the uh, lack of budget uh, was probably seen in the way that they shot a lot of the, the zombie action stuff. The handheld at times was too much um, with the running and you couldn't actually focus on on anything that was going on and so like it it may have been intended as like as wanting to build up that frenetic energy but Mm -hmm. but for me it was kind of just avoiding um actually there there was to understand what was going on i would say there's a lot less of that though than was in say 28 weeks later for example the film which was 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 particularly you know yeah, shaky kinetic camera. I, I found at least this. I, I could tell where people were, <laughs> you know, in in, in various scenes. Um, and I did find it curious as it seemed that uh, as as the zombies were taking over the well, once once they kind of got got to the point where it was everybody but the people in the house um, that we stopped seeing any sunshine. And uh, the rest of the series was in this half light that was all color graded to to wash out the colors. Um, that was, I think that was also kind of a look though from the beginning. I seem to remember the whole the whole series does have a certain grey texture to it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't notice that. Oh, it was a bit clearer, but like when they're going along the river, everything's kind of 
it, it's like the, the contrast the, is too high. That's just the, the English countryside. The uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I I found I found that there was actually a, a like outside was just completely grey and fairly fairly desolate and quite quickly post apocalyptic. And I really liked the contrast between that and the the bright, vibrant colours of uh, of the Big Brother house. Of the house. It's also interesting because they they mentioned some, some notes here saying how every year in the UK the Big Brother house has a different look. Again, maybe same here. Yeah, yeah, it was, yep. it, it was the same here. And so what they had to try and do was design a they had to design one that looked like a Big Brother house without looking like a specific Big Brother house. And they were kind of guessing what Big Brother hopefully wouldn't be doing. So apparently, it's an eco theme to the Big Brother house, in this. which uh, which they did in Australia. Did they? Yes, did they, they, they did an eco-themed house. They, they did, did, they, did they have the wallpaper with the forest in the bathroom, though? Yeah, because that was nice. Was uh, a nice touch. No, and no were, they just had their own veggie garden. And there was a biodome out the back for growing. Yeah. In. Yeah. And um, oh, this is the second thing I want to mention, just uh, uh, as far as yeah, <laughs> nerd appeal goes, um, this show led to Simon Pegg, who, of course, uh, co-wrote and starred in Shaun of the Dead, wrote a piece in The Guardian saying the show was brilliant, but that he was upset that the zombies ran because zombies should not run, which then Charlie Brooker had to re- write a piece responding in which he pointed out uh, that there have been running zombies in George Romero films, including a scene where two undead children run in one of the films. I just love the idea. That's a slagging match in the UK. <laughs> they do so, right? They don't. They do. Can they I, don't. I'll have you, Brooker. Guardian articles at dawn. <laughs> um, uh, just kind of thinking about, about zombie lore and, and running and, and the like. What happens when... There are no more mortals left. Do they? Do they eventually die of well, starvation, it's, or it's are they just there? For, most zombie for films don't in perpetuity. Yeah, most zombie. I mean, the Romero zombie films, I think, have always been a bit vague about what actually happens. Presumably, they'll decompose at some point. Um, Twenty-eight days later, well, they, no, they, they, we, they're not zombies; though. they're actually just infected. We learned. We learned in. Uh, we we learned in uh, Land of the Dead that they eventually uh, will develop their own uh, intellect. And uh, and to take over as humans. Well, Land of the Dead, they're just trying to, but to run their own zombies. homes. So, no, 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 they're, they're so, still zombies. So they're would, still the undead. Would those zombies developing their own intellect get eaten by the other zombies who are just after brains? brains. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe George Romero should make another film. We only know about zombies because George Romero tells us. Maybe. And, and <laughs> we just believe what Romero tells us. You know, they're, they're fine about uh, running, but they can't swim. Or they can't even well, stand up in water. They could in Land of the Dead. And they can't climb a, a no, they very walked. simple... they walked along the bottom of a river in Land of the Dead. And they can't That's climb a, a very, film. very simple highly, fence. Highly under... under they, also can't, uh, they also can't open doors. No. And this is, and this is the thing about zombies, is, is that... Like, even, w- even with a flappy paddle door handle. One of, one of the things that I love uh, about zombies is, uh, no matter what film you see them in, or, or TV series in, in this case, there's... There's always there, there are things they can do and things they can't do, and it's because they have no uh, no consciousness that they just can't work some stuff out. So they might be able to run, but they can't work out how doors work, or uh, or they also gather in a pack without a, a, an alpha male dog. Well, uh, the argument zombie. the argument in uh, Dawn of the Dead, which have, are, you, are you a zombie fan? I haven't. Uh, not a Romero. 
I haven't bothered with the zombie film genre that much. Right. Um, Dawn of the Dead, the, the second of, of the Romero one, the suggestion is that they, they all turn up at the shopping centre because it's, it's a, like part of their brain stem. It's, a, it's a, you know, like a race memory that they go and hang out in the shopping centre. It's just the go, most fundamental yes, ability of Some of them humans. go ice skating. It's an excellent movie. But yeah, it, <laughs> <laughs> it really is. And it's his comment on consumerism. And this, of course, Brooke is doing the same thing. He's saying... They all want to hang out here at the Big Brother house because that's... That's what they know. Is it? That's the really? important Aren't thing. Are they the only non-zombies left? No, but... Uh, no, the, the, zombies the zombies are gathering, are... though, at the Big Brother house. It's a bit Be- with, because the, there's flesh in there. Well, but, it's also, but it's also that they're coming to this fairly remote location because it's part of their brainstem is kind of going... Big Brother House. And there's a scene where the characters are on the roof looking out, and it's 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 effectively a steal from Dawn of the Dead. It's almost a, a scene by scene kind of piece where they explain, you know, there's something important here to them, and um, yeah, which is yeah the only point Brooke is really making in this piece, apart from zombies are cool. <laughs> I thought I thought it was a, a beautiful television series. I thought it was so well done, and and the pacing uh, was awesome in it. Like yeah. it was it was. Just a great length for the, the entire series, yeah. and there won't be another series. Yeah, and someone on Twitter uh, said to me, uh, "It's a, a person on Twitter who, who I know is a big uh, horror film fan, and was living in in the UK when uh, when Dead Set came out." And I asked her what she thought about it, and she said it was great, and she only wishes that someone like and her assumption was that Channel Ten is like Channel Four here, mm. uh, that someone like Channel 10 would have the guts to do something like that. I can't imagine anyone in Australia... I can't imagine the Big Brother owners at Australia. I mean, if it was still going, I think they'd be so paranoid about their brand. They would never, ever let that happen. Whereas and this is, you know, it, they state it's Big Brother. It's the host of Big Brother, the voiceover guy from Big Brother. There's, there's you know, it's like... You'd, and and you'd, have to, uh, you'd have to take a risk and... Australian television isn't into taking risks. No, that's that's very true. But yeah, I look. I thought it was a phenomenal piece. If you like Romero zombie films, you will definitely like this. There's no question mark about that. It's just like having another Romero zombie film. Yeah, um, it's, it's like t- you, TV of the dead. Even if you've never seen a Romero zombie film in full, yeah, you you'll may enjoy it. Probably like it. Yeah, uh, you can buy Dead Set on uh, Amazon.co.uk for uh, it's there for about twelve pounds at the moment. Which I think is twelve quid bargain. It's only two hundred bucks uh, Australian. Two hundred and fifty. Yeah, I know. Ah, oh, it's going up all the time. <laughs> uh, it's it's definitely if you are a fan of of horror in any genre, it's definitely worth getting. It's really superb. Are you one of those that follows follows follows, 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 follows the ads? Get me a jury and show me how you can say in July. Go down on you. For new uh, listeners, I don't buy it. Is the uh, segment where we talk about advertising that uh, we have a problem with, and this week, Janet McLeod has brought in her own. Carp about an ad. Well, that's right, and it, this must be a, one of the issues with his uh, program as well, because I haven't, I haven't watched all of the Gruen transfer. I like it uh, quite a lot, but I don't know if they've talked about this. So, if they have, forgive us. Uh, the one that I have got a bit of a bit of a beef about is the Spring Valley Good for Your Sensible campaign, which ha- it features a character which is called uh, Sensible. Mm. So, this is uh, supposedly the embodiment of. Uh, of your uh, the 
I suppose common sense. the common sense that so it's a, it's an actual physical embodiment of your sense of uh, of common common sense uh, like if you get enough sleep and if you're good to your body etc. But the, the the trouble is the character that they have chosen the entity that they have decided to to be the embodiment of this uh, thing is it's this strange fleshy looking <laughs> part liver part tongue distinctly bodily organ oh, type yeah. character with with vampire fangs. Now we, we've it got is a bit like the tongue in the Tui's ad crawling yes. along yes. in the middle of the night. We've got a soundbite of it. Admittedly, for, for those of you, you know, not watching along, um, you're able to see the sensible. But, but if uh, you look over my shoulder on the camera, you'll be able to see... On the see, video podcast. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll describe what it's like. This is a sensible. He embodies, well, your sensible side. He's the part of you that makes sure you fall asleep next to your girlfriend. Not a transvestite biker named Trevor. It's the sloppy sound that's disturbing <laughs> it's me. It's David Lynch. Spring <laughs> Valley. It's good for your sensible. So, uh, so the fangs are very uh, Milton the Monster type fang, with mm. the the single in the middle that uh, he uses to open cans and I the think like. If, if, I think if you're trying to come up with a character that's going to uh, be appealing to the masses, then something that's fleshy and looks like a bodily organ is, is going to be problematic. At least the gobble docks were kind of fluffy and cute, even though they were slightly disturbing. Chippy, chippy, chippy. At least they had something that, well, we could all go chippy, 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 as opposed to the sound that the sensible make, which appears to be... Which is just a little bit, you know, flopping. Which is just not um, appealing. In, in fact, I'm going to go out there and say that I feel less inclined to partake in a Spring Valley product because of that you know, ad. I'm maybe, not kidding. Maybe someone else's sensible has slipped into one of those jars. <laughs> and also, what, oh. you, oh. what, what do you think it was meant to achieve, though? What do you think you, you're supposed to be? I think thinking? they were trying to be very clever. I think they were trying to be very clever and go, oh, we'll, we'll have this thing. And even though um, it's usually an adjective, we'll turn it into a noun. And It does remind me a little bit, the, the character does remind me a little bit of um, the, the embodiment of the mortgage that uh, was in the series of A and Z Ooh. ads at one point. Do you think it's the same actor? <laughs> <laughs> no, but like it, it was this kind of little blob, basically, that, that was there sucking up all your, your resources. And the other thing that I find quite uh, disturbing is that, uh, I, well, confusing, is that surely this must be a real English as a second language challenge for people to to discern, because it's a very diff- when I first saw the print ad for "Good for Your Sensible," because "your" is usually a contraction. You are in in, in relation to the word "sensible." You are sensible. Your sense, and so suddenly seeing it like that, I just went, "Have they made a mistake?" Wait I, a minute. I had the same thing because it's on tram stops a lot. Quite, and it really, I didn't understand that this uh, the sensible because it wasn't capitalized as like a a, a noun like thing. And so I was just confused. So I went from being confused to realising what they were doing and being disgusted and annoyed and then deciding, and I haven't actually had anything to do with the Spring Valley product since. That is an emotional journey, though, isn't it? That you, really is. You, I've you took an a, arc. I've got a roller coaster ride with this thing just because I've been so distressed by the entire uh, process. So, uh, if anybody feels as uh, <laughs> convincingly appalled as I, then please do write in. That would be great. And uh, you can you can probably see pictures of uh, the sensible on saveyoursensible dot com, or just in the dark corners of your mind, or uh, just uh, YouTube. 
Spring Valley Sensible. It'll come up. Hi, this is Scott Brennan, and I'm bang up for a bit of digital reception on box cutters. I've had my box well and truly cut. And with that, we have our uh, magic transporter machine once again going uh, for this week's show. Josh has transported back to talk to us from the wonderful magical land of San Francisco. And that, uh, that, that transportation machine just really does my sinuses in. Sorry about that. <laughs> we're, we're, we're trying to improve That's right. it. Yeah. We, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm back next week, so don't bother getting it fixed now. Oh, okay. Just don't bother. Just don't I, I think that maybe we could, we could have uh, some, some advances for mankind if we do bother. And, uh, well, you know, see, see how you go. You've got a long week because uh, recording this on a, a Sunday or... Saturday, my time. Oh, Ooh, spooky. Ooh. I know. Behind. Spooky. I'm calling from the past. <laughs> well, we're, you're talking to us in the future, so do you want, I don't know, the test lotto numbers or something? You know what? It's a lot. Test lotto numbers no good to me because they would have been drawn at about eight. Oh. oh, that's sad. So, so tell us in that crazy world of the past, also known as San Francisco, how do people watch television? Well, John, I'm glad you asked. It's, uh, you know what? I actually don't know how, how normal people watch television here. Uh, there's, uh, because there, there are lots and lots of ads, and they seem to go on forever. Have you, have you been tempted by some of those erectile dysfunction tablets yet, Josh? Because there's, there's uh, so much medical advertising over there. The, uh, the the medical advertising is just outrageously ridiculous because they'll they'll say all right in the in the first like five seconds of the ad they'll say oh this drug will really help you get a hard on and make your wife happy and then the next sixty five seconds I mean not that blunt but you, you get my point the next sixty five is talking about how you shouldn't take it if you've got diabetes you shouldn't take it if you've got a heart condition you shouldn't take it if you think you might have a heart condition <laughs> you shouldn't take it if you ate grilled cheese sandwiches that morning you know just that kind of level of uh, it's almost not worth advertising the product okay, because so, it just so, so it's, says, it's, oh it's going to kill me so it's got a, the product title what it does and then the rest is arse covering it's that simple yep. yes wow Wow, if you yes. don't do that much ass covering to, to get an erection, good Lord, surely it's not worth it. Yeah, so the way people watch TV here, I, I just, I don't know how they do it. With all those ads, it's, it's crazy. But uh, uh, the way I've been doing it is via the magic of the internet. Mm. And uh, I've, I've really wanted to try out Hulu and all the network websites uh, for, for a long time. And I've got to say that if I lived here, that's the way I would watch my television shows. So because, John, yes, you, you do get ads that, uh, that you do have to sit through. You, just, you can't fast forward them. You can't skip them. But they're a set time. They're not very long. And the ads download differently to the show. So you can have, uh, you can have an ad that comes up. And all it says is you can watch your regular show again in 30 seconds. And if the ad doesn't download properly, you don't have to wait for the ad to download properly. You can just click continue and then continue on to the rest of your show. Mm. That works really nicely. The ads are only uh, only about 30 seconds each. Something I have noticed watching, uh, uh, what's that uh, Eliza Dushku show that I like? Dollhouse. Nobody else does. Yeah, Dollhouse. 
watching that on uh, Fox on TV last night, uh, they actually say Dollhouse will return in 60 seconds. Dollhouse will return in 90 seconds. So you know exactly how long you've got to, to get the up, channel. go have a whiz, and then come back. Excellent. Oh, we can see the picture of you now, Josh. It's very exciting. Oh, that's much better. Wave at the camera. Um, Ah, uh, hello. This is possibly the most redundant thing I've ever heard on radio. <laughs> well, it's it's a special uh, special effect for the video yeah, podcast, podcast viewers. Yes. <laughs> there is, uh, there, you know, this is the closest we've ever come to a video podcast. <laughs> and it's really not working. Um, no, Josh, do what? you like my large microphone, though? Yes. That's nice. It's nice. Uh, well, yeah. for, for those who can't see it, i.e. everybody else that isn't us, then it's this uh, sort of white uh, thing that looks like a 1960s Sanyo... Uh, if you've seen the Ood from Doctor Hi, Who, it, it's very similar to that. It is very much yeah. like an Ood. Yeah, Josh uh, looks like an communicator. Ood. So, uh, but yeah, anyhow. and the uh, and the tripod is a uh, it's a sonic screwdriver. Oh, brilliant! There you go. So, anybody who's really, really wanting to visualise what Josh is doing at this moment, <laughs> that's exactly. It. There's, sure, it's a niche market. Doug McLeod was worried the show was going to get geeky. I don't know where he got that idea from. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. But I see. See, Janet comes on the show, everything gets geeky. Yeah, I know. I, I like to think I am that catalyst. <laughs> so, Josh, why would I watch Hulu rather than just illegally downloading my show or watching it on YouTube illegally? Oh, no reason. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but, but for those people who don't want to watch things illegally, it's a, it, it, it's a great way around it. Plus, I think... Uh, shows get onto Hulu pretty much straight away, and you can start watching them straight away. Uh, whereas otherwise, you've got to wait for someone to encode it and upload a torrent, and that can take like an hour. And in that in that respect, uh, the American networks are, are so enlightened compared to our dinosaur networks over here. Yes, it takes a while for uh, for the the networks in Australia to actually hook on to technology. Like information technology was really it took ages for websites to happen mm. for a start. Uh, oh yeah, and and even then, like you don't need to download a special player here. It just plays in your browser Ooh. like normal. Ooh. Oh, because I'm I'm really sick of how many different versions of Flash my computer appears not to have. <laughs> and I just thought yeah. I'd just say Flash, that's all I need. No, no, no. Suddenly there's little add-ons and tack-ins and whatever else. I, I so that's great. I, I like it. I want yeah, to... so, so that works well. But yeah, it's it's really if you're interested in doing this stuff legally, then that's a, a lot better than doing it illegally. Obviously. Yes, uh, we we'll, we'll get to heaven. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that's uh, that, that is the uh, Seventh Day Adventist uh, view of uh, of downloading. But <laughs> the, um, uh, the the other thing is that here, the companies, like the record companies and the movie companies, have actually been suing individuals for downloading things. <gasps> really? So it is a greater risk in the US than it is in Australia. Mm. But they haven't done that for a while, have they? Like there was one oh. big test case where. Uh, it was looking like it was the woman's daughter, and oh, so yes. they couldn't prove that she was doing it, but they were suing her, and um, like a, a lot of the uh, the EFA and stuff got on board and, and provided legal counsel. Yeah, but e- even then, what a pain in the ass! Yes, <laughs> you know, to sit through thirty seconds of ads. Or to go through, you know, five years of legal turmoil. I vote ads. I'm there. Yeah, ads sounds c- I'm with better. Her. Yeah, 
No, no, fight the power. <laughs> <laughs> Screw like the to, system. I actually like to watch uh, th- rather than download because, I mean, some of us have got computers that are nowhere near as, as powerful or uh, larger capacity as they ought to be, according to their friends. And <laughs> so I just get a bit um, um, uh, tired <laughs> of, of waiting for things to happen. So I quite like the idea of just go click, watch. God knows how on earth we managed without before. Um, I must admit, I, I went, went through ages of downloading uh, the Daily Show before realizing I could just watch it straight from their website yes. and save myself all the trouble. Which, yeah. Well, see, that's that's been and and years ago, and I'm not even talking that many years ago. I'm talking maybe seven years ago. Uh, we would get Buffy VHS tapes shipped over mailed from to friends. us yeah. Mm. Yeah. from the US just so that we could get it before. Uh, but before it aired on Channel Seven, uh, in you know those days are definitely gone. I know. But uh, it's, it's when we when we're going to see everything opened up, I don't know. I mean, it's, ideally we'd be able to watch Hulu from from Australia. There'd be no problems there at all, and everything would be on the same time. And the networks would just have to suck it up and do something about it. Well, sure, Josh. If you want to completely destroy the Australian TV industry. Go for it. Oh, and why don't you go live in Russia? <laughs> in Mind some you. countries, they don't have advertising. Mind you, having said that, then also I know a lot of UK people who were desperate to watch uh, McAuliffe. They were really wanting to see uh, McAuliffe, and I because I, I'd said, well, it's available on the SBS website, but no, we can't get it from the UK. So there, was, there was a very complex way that they could actually do it, and <laughs> God knows there was a few geeks who managed Probably to publish using my all special that fancy. stuff. Yes. Yeah. But but yeah, yeah, and I've, I've done that with BBC iView as well. Uh, but it's just such a pain in the ass. Mm. Now, uh, Josh, uh, you were talking last week about uh, talking to people that were waiting in lines to get into TV show recordings. Have you been able to do... Have, have you yourself got into any recordings at all on your American jaunt? No, because I... You know, I... I'd think about uh, going into a recording and uh, and trying to work that out and uh, standing in line and waking up at six o'clock in the morning and all of the malarkey that goes along with that and uh, and then get invited out to dinner and completely forget about everything. Really? So uh, somewhere along along the lines, while trying to do an investigation into the way television works in the U.S., I've accidentally had a holiday. <laughs> So, don't tell the tax department that, though. Otherwise, it's not a deduction. That's why we're talking to Josh internationally. Yeah, I don't think it's a deduction anyway, Janet, because we don't get paid for this. It doesn't matter. It's it's in your pursuit of work. Ah, Ah, you see? You should be my accountant. Pursuit of income. (laughs) This is legitimate stuff, Josh. It's quite educational tonight, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, on that, Josh, we uh, should uh, chuck you back in the machine and send you back over. No, not the machine. Uh, not the machine. Go on, hit the, the button. It's the last time. Hit the button. See ya. Bye. 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 I've been to the mailbox and yes. I've got some letters. Um, Dave AA left a comment on the blog uh, saying how much he enjoyed the Rod Quantock interview. And it was funny that Rod's famous wrote the Chunky Custard sketches uh, because he's mostly known for his more political cerebral, cerebral comedy. Cerebral comedy. 
uh, whereas the chunky custard sketches were gross out silly. And he also corrected our Harlan Ellison story from last week. I mentioned that Harlan Ellison, the writer, was suing the Star Trek people for one dollar. Um, he is, in fact, suing the Star Trek people for millions of dollars, but he's suing the Writers Guild on principle for a token one dollar for not representing him well enough. Mm-hmm. So he's suing his own union. On the same show as Rod Quantock, it's a bit shameful. <laughs> Um, Maud Wah wrote in saying, considering how hot Greg Evans was, whatever happened to him? And that was in response to something you were saying last week, although I've completely forgotten why Maud Wah has written can, can this. I just- uh, because Channel 9 nobbled him from 10 by putting oh, him under yes. contracts, promising him an afternoon show and taking yes. forever to get around to it, and then it wasn't very That's good. That's right, and, and they let off from Humphrey, because there was discussion so. that Humphrey B. Bear is he was, deliberately He was being- wa- warehoused. He was warehoused mm-hmm. in that Tony Barber kind of way. Um, can I just point out, I was once on Perfect Match. All right. <laughs> uh, oh, what can I say? I, I went on because we, I had a lot of friends who worked at Channel Ten, and I went. This is going to be hilarious. They're going to think this is. And they did think it was quite hilarious. And then I went to Disneyland, so so that's what happened to me. So were you the picker or the? Or oh, one I of the was pickers? picker. I was the picker, and I was definitely there. Was definitely shades of I appear to be taking the piss here from the entire thing, but uh, that was good. I, I, and, I, and was it true that it was all scripted? Like you, you didn't come up with your own questions or answers? No. Well, I uh, I helped uh, the writer has come up with a whole lot of answers for the other people, which was great. But not, not for the people who were on my, that I was picking, just the others. Mm-hmm. So, so um, yeah, no, it's half true. But right. um, I turned out one of the writers for Perfect Match on one particular episode was me. <laughs> uh, and uh, was that the Greg Evans period or Karen That Dada? was definitely the Greg, was Greg Evans, Evans period, yes. So, uh, and Trevor Marmalade was the warm-up guy. There oh, we go. Yeah. Mordwire yeah. also said, um, you know, farewell to, to Battlestar Galactica, you'll be missed. I was going to say with its passing, the TV world is a darker place, but really, as depressing as the show was, I think the brightness of the world just went up. <laughs> um, Alex Boxcutter sent us an SMS, um, which was interesting. He said, the Choose Your Own Adventure show on ABC, so he's referring here to Lawrence Lund's uh, Choose Your Own Adventure, oh, yes. is a direct rip-off of Louis Theroux with a flimsy premise of a challenge, total copy of an awesome interview style. The rest reminds me of a review of, with Miles Barlow. Um, hmm. Massive Louis Theroux fan. Having said that about Choose Your Adventure, I must say I know it. Uh, everything is a copy of everything else in the media these days. Good in the ABC for making another Aussie show. I'll watch three episodes to fill the law of three. Um, I would also mention here, though. I mean, look, I watched it. I thought it was great. Um, it I, was very Theroux-like, but Louis Theroux himself has admitted that he he himself had copied uh, Nick Broomfield, Ross McKelvey, <laughs> yes. and John Ronson, all yes. of whom were doing look, that before. We can always find a through line back through history. Well, the really, the Ronson, really, I was going to say Ronson himself coined a phrase uh, "le nouvelle egotistes" in 2002, Sight and Sound, to describe the style that he and and Theroux and a bunch of other people all do. Quite a strange ha- thing happened to me on Wednesday night. I watched uh, Lawrence Lung's Junior. Choose Your Own Adventure, and then just happened to be uh, catching up on some of the uh, Louis Theroux's that I'd missed when they were screened all over the place on Channel mm. 7, and had a look at the Hypnotism episode, and you know that you know the first creepy American guy who could have any woman that he wanted kind of stroking the yes. cat? Was in the Louis oh. Theroux thing from 2000. From 2000. Well. And, and his example of the, the verbal ambiguity was New Direction. Which, oh, which, which Long, Lawrence Lung then suggested and, and had uh, the footage of Kevin, Kevin Rudd, Rudd that was using my favorite moment. multiple times. So this guy's just doing the circuit. He just goes around doing the... Well, yeah. I, was he the same guy? Cause my favorite- I'd really like to talk to, to Lawrence and, and find out uh, who came up with that little segment. Because like talking to those two guys were, seemed like the, the two bits in the show that didn't really fit in. 
and it felt like oh, because that's because it was, it was making up two guys. Time that was the one I actually bit. wanted them to stick with that in some ways. I would uh, like to see the documentary entirely. It, look, I know, I know that the, the the new direction thing actually comes from a live show that he did a few years ago. There was something. There's things that he's done uh, in a live sense that were that translate that Lawrence into has the, done. Yeah. yeah, so. Um, Yes, that's all I can say. But get Lawrence in. I'm not helping. We definitely want to get Lawrence in, and once we get three episodes, we'll, we'll review the show proper. Mm. Now, also, I, I box, enjoyed it wholeheartedly. At Box Cutters, we often receive postcards from television shows. Yes. Now, we have received one this week. Um, Janet, you're holding it in your hand. I'm holding a picture of the Prometheus statue outside the Rockefeller Center in New York, and it reads this postcard: "Dear Box Cutters." There was a time when we made a TV show. It was sketch comedy all about women. Then the network decided to put Tracy Jordan on as a star. Now we kind of pretend to do a show while we mostly just have crazy adventures. It's a lot more fun, but a little confusing. Anyhow, having a great time. Love the show. Kiss, kiss, 30 Rock. So thank you very much, 30 Rock, for sending in that postcard. It's one you can actually hold this week. It's quite exciting. <laughs> it's all the way from the US and uh, it costs 94 cents to send. Perhaps, though, 30 Rock, a little bit up your to send us a postcard with a picture of yourself <laughs> on it. But you would, wouldn't you, if you had them around? Yes. Yeah, yeah for sure. And that is what I have in my bag. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Mm, I can smell the pork on the table and the crispy crackling. But there's no time for pork, Brett. No again. time for pork. Seriously? No time for pork? No time for pork. Uh, okay. Well, I won't... Uh, oh, no, no, just very quickly. And this is, <laughs> this is this should definitely be in pork and not in news because uh, there are only rumours that uh, 10... Ten's news service will go to 90 minutes, running uh, 5 till 6.30 p.m. And uh, that 9 News p.m., which is kind of the afternoon one, will go 4.30 till 5.30, making it a one-hour news program. Interesting. Keep your eyes out. Look, this is pretty good for me because I've discovered I am obsessed with the news. And I think I like, I actually just like the way the news sounds, even if it's just rubbish like the Channel 10 News puts on because they've got so much time to fill. Because, um, in the morning, I'll turn on SBS and have the news on in different languages. Yep. I don't understand any other language except for English, but I just like the sound of the news. Oh, I love the French news. It sounds fantastic. That woman, I love It's very her. glamorous, isn't oh, the French oh, news? brilliant. I'm, I'm, I'm getting shades of uh, Fish Called Wanda here. Oh. So, oh, yes. Just oh, I, talk, love <laughs> I love the, the Italian news. Italian language. Woo! The Italian news is always so exciting, no matter what it is, and, and very well-dressed. <laughs> There's always some sort of crisis going on. But that's it. That's all we've got time for. Make it end, Brett. Make it end. um, Well, uh, we should uh, give thanks to our uh, special guest this week, Doug McLeod. (laughs) The lovely Doug McLeod. Coming in. And um, also to the lovely Janet A. McLeod. Yes. Um, And uh, to our sponsor, Crumpler, who do give give us little gifties for our our special guest. Do I get this? Oh, this is exciting. Oh, isn't it That's cute? For you. It's a little, oh, thank you. It's a little crumpler pouch. Yay. Oh, I love it. Oh, thank you. Do we do any blatant plugs for people's shows, such as Local Laughs? Oh, which absolutely. Is, which yes, is a, yes, a yes. live weekly. I'm live sorry weekly. to go, go on and try to try, uh, plug our sponsor. But. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say a live, live weekly comedy show featuring very good quality comedy at the local Tap House, which is at 184 Carlisle Street, at Gilda East, near the corner of Chapel Street. It's kind of just is, opposite the town hall? Yeah, just over and up from the back. So that's every Monday night at 8.30pm. It's only it's very cheap. And have you got a show in Comedy Festival this uh, week? 
Uh, yeah, we don't need plugging though. No. We're selling out, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, so, yeah, uh, big, else. big hello to the, uh, the 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 comedy tours of the museum. We're featuring Ben McKenzie and Andy Muirhead from the Television Zone Collectors, but uh, uh, it's selling out. So uh, good luck at getting And of course, London. Doug McLeod, you can see it axed on Saturday, the eleventh of April, three p.m. at the Melbourne Town Hall. He's truly marvellous. He <laughs> now do the end bit. Do the bit Josh does. Thank you to Crumpler uh, for giving us gifts to give away to you, our listeners, and our lovely guests. You can check them out online at crumpler.com.au. They've got a fantastic catalogue and great, great stuff. Uh, also, thanks to the best radio station in the world, Melbourne's own 3RRRFM 102.7 on the FM band in Melbourne and surrounds or rrr.org.au Online, anywhere in the world. Big or grouse. possibly out in the universe. Apparently, Graveyards uh, for Triple R is drive time in New drive York. New York. I found it the other yeah, day. Yeah. So, if you're in New York, listen, it's great. Hell yeah. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, log on to uh, the iTunes store and give us a bit of a review or write a review or, you know, push us to everybody else on any other site that'll take your comments or leave, you know, leave the cook, cooking sites alone. We didn't really mean to put them up on the cooking sites, like, and it's it's upset people. And I, I'm, yes, or, or maybe you could try just ring random phone numbers and saying, <laughs> "Hey, have you listened to this really good? Do you watch TV? Do you like TV?" This, this is the lengthiest outro I've ever heard. Oh, we, we run out of music sometimes. Go on, what's never. More, what? Until next week, I continue to be Brett Cropley. I'm Thank- John Richards. <laughs> and I am continuously Janet A. McLeod. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat... Well, not at a different time because this is a weird time. But same bat <laughs> channel. And hey, let's be careful out there.